0: But I'm really thankful to be here with all of you, family. It's a joy to be here, especially at Christmas time. You know the DSs don't get invited to speak in December? And I got two weeks in a row, this week and next week. I couldn't believe it because usually churches are doing Christmas things and the DS is not usually who they invite there. So I I was thankful for the opportunity to do that. Uh, Although I'm I'm a little off on the candle I hope you guys are okay if I talk about joy. You okay if I talk about joy? Anybody here need any joy? Amen. Yes. <laughs> Let's uh, pray together and then we'll go into God's word. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you are our joy. As we focus in on you this morning, Lord, would you attend... To things within us that maybe we don't even know need attended to. Would you speak into situations? Would you... Pierce if needed. So that there can be healing. Would you, Jehovah Rapha. Bring healing pieces that are needed from long journeys? Would you, Lord, do whatever it is you would will in the way that only you can do through your word? Use me, Lord, as you will. In Jesus' name, amen. So some of you know that um, I was an adult when I came to Christ. I knew of Christ. I grew up in a church, but I did not know what the gospel was uh, until I was in my 20s. And then when I was 22, I accepted Jesus. And a lot of the folks that I encountered, uh, they were uh, oftentimes reminding me that following Jesus was this, this walk Um, And they never separated joy and happiness to me. So what they told me very often and some of the songs we sang uh, and other pieces uh, said that uh, following Jesus meant you're happy all the time. Anyone know what song I'm referring to? We even sing it to the kids. And I began to walk into this Christ walk. And my journey was immediately met with hatred, from family, from people I had grown up with, and they threw me out. That was my start of my Jesus walk. And I said, what's up? Where's the happy all the time? It was kind of weird for me to begin that walk in that way, and that continued for a long period of time, so as I'm journeying down this road, I kept asking God, is this what you meant? And I realized that scripture talks a lot about joy, although not always about happiness. The journeys of people in scripture are not full of happy feelings, but there is joy in the journey with God. And so that began me kind of digging a long time ago, digging into what does this joy then mean? When we come to Christmas on, on our mantel in the house, there's this giant sign that my wife has sitting out saying joy. And I sit there and just look at that piece saying, okay, Lord, I understand it a little bit more, a little bit more. It's 30, lots of 30 plus years (laughs) since I started to walk with Jesus and I know a little bit more about the journey. So what I'm sharing with you is no means conclusive, all right, but I am going to share with you what God's word says about it. Joy. If you look at the Lexham Theological Dictionary, it says, Closely related to gladness and happiness, although joy is more of a state of being than an emotion, a result of choice, one of the fruits of the Spirit, having joy is part of the experience of being... What in the world? Let's go through that in a little bit of order and look at the scriptures connected to it. Scripture speaks about joy being an emotion. Definitely, it does. Uh, As you look at Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, all of us know this passage. When we come to Christmas time, we often read it. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Talking about emotion peace. They rejoice before you as the people rejoice at the harvest. That's a joyful celebration. As men rejoice when dividing the plunder and so on. We know this verse. When you come to Psalm 33, the psalmist is exploding in triumph. And he talks about joy, joy, joy through that psalm because there is an emotion of triumph that's associated with Psalm 33. But scripture also commands joy. That's a weird thing, right? I just said that scripture talks about uh, joy as an emotion. Yes, that's one part. But scripture also commands joy. In the Old Testament, in fact, there's more than one place. But in Isaiah in particular, there are several times where God scolds his people for not being joyful. But let's look at the New Testament references. Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say again. Command. Imperative. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Be joyful, always. Do you know what I just walked through, God? Really? Really? So I'm going, there's got to be more than just the feeling. Yes? Scripture says there is a feeling associated here. But there's also a command. Third, third, it says that joy is a part of the work of the Spirit. Galatians 5. Uh, uh, Galatians 5.22 gives us evidence of what should be found in every believer's life. Now, fruit of the Spirit are not the gifts of the Spirit, correct? The gifts are given by God according to the need in the church to every individual as he apportions it. It's his call what gift you get to use within the body of Christ. However, the fruit, the fruit... The evidence of God's Spirit living in us is to be found in who? Come on, say it loud. Everyone Everyone who? All of us? Yes? Let me read the list. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy. Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there are no there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The evidence of the step with the Spirit life is the fruit that is produced in our life. How do we know an apple tree is an apple tree? Produces apples, came from an apple, DNA says apple, and apples come forth, right? If I'm sitting by, standing by an apple tree expecting a pear, I can stand as long as I want, there ain't no pear coming out. I can put whatever kind of chemicals I want around it, there is no pear coming out. Why? Apple trees produce apples. It's an emotion. Joy is an emotion, joy is a command, joy is fruit that shows up in our life because the Spirit of God lives in us, is working in us and through us. Fourth, joy is a person, the person of God. Psalm 43, 4. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. Not who gives me exceeding joy. To God, my exceeding joy. Some of your translations may say, to God, my joy and my delight. To God, my exceeding joy. And upon the lyre, I shall praise you, O God, my God. Habakkuk 3 17 17 and 18 though the fig tree does not bud there are no grapes on the vines though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will be joyful In God, my Savior. My rejoicing is in who He is. My joyfulness is in Him who saves me. Luke 2. Here's another passage you know really well. The angel comes to the shepherds on the hill, right? Out in the field, sorry, on the hill. I don't know where the hill came from. Maybe there was a hill. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Okay? What kind of joy? I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The good news of great joy is what? Christ the Lord it's him the object the person of joy is him so i uh i've been taking some classes and a few years ago i was in a class with a professor named uh, dr martin he is uh, at asbury seminary and um He said something in the middle of one of the class things. It was a passing comment for him, but I stopped, backed up the truck, and I needed to talk with him more about this. Because he said, have you seen the movements of God through Scripture that look like from, through, and to? I was like, what? He said, pay attention. The stories in Scripture, they all have a from, through, and to. Oftentimes we're struggling with the through. And he goes on. It got my attention. And I began to look at scripture and ask questions of from, through, and to. From, through, and to. What it is that God rescues us from has a to. That he has promised us the one day, someday. The from... What he rescued us from, we know. If you came to Christ as a child, perhaps you're from peace. You may not imagine it to be, well, like, you know, I've heard people give their testimony and they'd often, I don't know why we say this, but they often say, well, you know, I wasn't like a terrible person or anything, but, you know, I knew I needed Jesus. I'm like, hold on, you were dead and going to hell. That's not bad enough? I don't know why we start that way. But, you know, people have dramatic stories. I think we're trying to compare ourselves to that dramatic story, maybe. But, honestly, we don't need to. This is the condition I was in. From. And it tells us the two. We live in the through. Correct? You can scale that in multiple different ways. You can scale that according to a season. Right? There's a a moment in my life where I was here. And God began a journey in my life and he showed me that this is where I was going. What I didn't know was that there was a through as I got to that place. Many of us have those journeys even right now. You understand where God is taking you to. You know maybe even why he needed to make those changes in our life. And he's leading us in this walk, but it's the true that we're stuck in. How do we have joy in the true journeys? We continue to encounter journeys with God. I I don't know if you've noticed this. If you've walked with him five years, ten years, you will notice a continual pattern with him. He's never done. C.S. Lewis writes about God's work changing his life. He thought that what God was going to do when he came into his life was he was going to do a little bit of redecoration in his house. But instead, God starts taking walls out. And before he knows it, his entire house is apart. Because God was not intending to move in and redecorate his house. He was giving him a brand new house. Change, if you didn't know, change is a normal state of life for every believer. Wow, some of us really don't like change. You didn't know this Jesus journey was going to be a change. Look at Abram, right? There he is. He's with his family. He's got his sheep. He's got the things he needs. He was getting ready to start a nice life. And God says, Abram, go. Where? I don't know. Go. I didn't ask you to ask where. Go. Go? Okay. I'll go. Where? Keep going. From through to is small scale and large scale. God's creation work Begins with a from that is chaos and darkness. As he creates and sets things in motion. The world that we know sets that piece in motion. As he sets that in motion. This is a through period. And he already tells us what's in the two. But between the from and the two. There's all of this. Every journey has those pieces. The through portion of the trip matters as to how we arrive at the two. It is the repeating lesson of scripture that the through portion and how we navigate the through portion matters as to how we arrive in the two. And joy is formed in the journey of the through. Let me show you from Psalm 23, what I'm talking about. If this is too abstract for you and it's driving you nuts right now, hold on, I'll give you real concrete, okay? Here's the from, Psalm 23. Everybody in here probably knows Psalm 23, okay? So let me give you the from through to in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. This is the from. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Good. Let's just stay there, right? Nope. Here comes the through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why did I have to go there? Why do we have to do this journey? Can't you just leave me there? Nope. God's a creator. God's a creator. He is constantly creating. He doesn't stop creating on the seventh, on the sixth day. He is creating every child, every cell that is new. He is continuing to create all the way through history. He created you. He created me. His creation work continues. He doesn't leave things at verse 3. For even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare for a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Wait, I liked the table before. I didn't have enemies watching over me. He didn't ask. And he's good. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Ah, and verse 6. Here's the two. Surely. Goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But there's always a from. Through to the lives of the patriarchs. All of the stories we know so well. If you start paying attention, there are from through twos. You know that promise we read and sang about a little bit ago? The promises that were given to the prophets? Through the prophets? To the people? Eight hundred years of through. Look at Israel's captivities. The two is there. I'm taking you from to two. But in between, what happens in the through matters. This matters to me. Because God is shaping and forming incredible, awesome things in the middle of that. Israel's always on a journey, moving from place to place in the valley of through. Jesus, the the incarnation that Nancy pointed our eyes to again this morning, Jesus is in this from, through, to process. He knows what he is going to do, but he comes from heaven. He goes through life like one of us. 30 years growing up. Why would God need to grow up? 30 years going through the things we go through. Suffers, dies, like us. So that the two that he promised us can happen. It's the same journey he calls us to with him. I don't know what promises God has given you over time. Things that he has assured you of. This is where I am taking you. This is what I am showing you. I don't know what kind of things he's shown you. But I'm telling you that if that is what he has shown you. He is faithful to take you there. There just happens to be a through to get there. That's what we don't anticipate. It's the expectations that we set. That when he says, here's what it is, we go, okay, now? No. 50 years from now. He doesn't tell us that, thankfully. If he told me that, I'd give up and walk away. (laughs) He just says, come with me, child. Come with me. As Jesus said to the disciples, follow me. Where? Follow me. Your life in every season that you have gone through in growing up. Had a from through to. I don't believe in linear growth anymore. Watching people grow, studying people grow, watching my own life and what we see in scripture, I see a spiral in growth. Yes, we're on God's linear timeline, whatever linear is to him because he's not linear. But we're on this progressing timeline this way, but I think we grow like this. I find myself learning things I had learned 50 years, 15 years ago. I hear, see myself learning it again, but not the same lesson at a deeper level. There's something else that God has for me in that same lesson of the past, but at a very different place because I'm not who I was 15 years ago. And he has another from, through, to as he continues to grow me into himself. By the way, good storytellers, This is the concept that good storytellers actually have grasped. They don't get you to the end. They they lead you through this path. Sarah and I love to talk Lord of the Rings and Narnia. All right? But that's the genius of the two of them. Is that the story starts weaving and you're in the story and you're wandering down this path and there is a through and the entire story is about the through. It's not about where you started from. It's not actually about the end. It's about the journey and all that is encountered on the journey with God and with others. I know, a lot of things have programmed us to expect <laughs> no through. There's only the from and the to. Push a button and there you are, right? How fast are things solved on a sitcom? 30 minutes, 20 minutes with commercials, right? How fast is stuff is solved in a movie? Hour and a half, there you are. Life? It doesn't solve that way. The through in our lives is very different. But like impatient children, right? We we're in the from to the to. Are we there yet? Anyone who's traveled with kids, right? You hear this in the back seat, constantly. Are we there yet? Uh, uh, Those of you who were the kids who were getting scolded about that, I'm just telling you the adults are even more impatient. I set my GPS so I can beat it. I did that this morning on my way here. I did not succeed. I got behind a car that held me up. He probably prevented me from a ticket, so I should have blessed him. The from through to journey is important as we look at joy. It's important as we look at joy. My wife, her favorite comment to me when we get on a trip because she knows exactly what I'm gonna be doing. Okay, 14 hours, I think I can make it there in 13 and a half. We just need to limit stops, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this, and we can get there in 13 and a half. And she goes, every time. Can we just enjoy the journey? She's tried for 30 plus years. She's sort of succeeding. I'm beginning to enjoy the trip with her a little bit. Because if I don't annoy her, she doesn't annoy me. And we get to actually enjoy part of the trip. But that learning piece with God is where we begin. Here's the practical piece. How do I find joy in the true piece? That's what you're waiting for, right? How do I get there? Quit telling me about it. Tell me how to get there. First, we start with knowing that joy is God himself. Every commercial out there, every commercial, every billboard, Even some of the people we're talking to are telling us that if you just had this, you would have joy. And God's word actually stands in direct contradiction of that. Even if you had everything you ever wanted, you are still going to be empty. you and I were made by God for God and for his glory. There is nothing on this earth, nothing on this earth, no relationship, no health and well-being, no amount of money in your bank, No resource that you can have. There is nothing in this world. That can fulfill your need for joy. Because he is the one you're looking for. Joy is God himself. If any of you have been to a funeral service that I do. um, I will always remind as i talk about heaven and talk about the place where whoever's funeral i'm doing has gone to be with god i will tell them here's the thing you know heaven that we're looking for i love getting into these conversations with people who are sure that they know what heaven's like and they give me all these descriptions about what the walls made out of and what the roads made out of and all this and that and Uh, We have some songs in the alliance too, uh, songs about jewels in my crown, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. Um, Let's see, the crowns go on the floor because we cast all our crowns before him. We don't really care about anything when we get to heaven except him. He is heaven. He is heaven. Our exceeding joy is what scripture says. It's not what we can get from him. It's actually him. I'm getting a little emphatic. But if we don't start there, we're starting on false expectations. I've been waiting for three and a half years for my son's healing. Guess what? as much as I want his healing, his healing is not going to be what ultimately brings me joy. I want that for him. But that isn't joy. Joy, secondly, is produced as we are sanctified. Sanctified simply means that we are being made into the image of Christ, the holiness that is seen in Jesus, what he has already declared positionally over us. He is continuing to form and shape within us. All of that continues to begin in surrender. If I want joy, I start with surrender. That sounds like weird stuff. Because according to our American culture, what you want, you need to go out there and get for yourself. What the heck? I'm not surrendering. This kind of joy only comes from surrender. It is God. Take over. Do whatever you want in me through You want joy in the through process? First, you got to start with what the goal is. The goal is God himself. Secondly, it starts with surrender. Sanctification, deep abiding joy, is produced in our lives as we are conformed into the image of God. Joy is a fruit. Rejoice in the hope being produced in us through suffering, Romans 5.1 says. How do you think through that? How, How do you even work through that? What do you mean? Me being ground out produces something? Yeah, that was Paul's understanding. Me being poured out actually is doing things that are beyond anything I can imagine, not only in my life, but also in the lives of others. Joy production in what God is doing is that powerful aspect of surrendered living by the power of the Spirit. That's why James writes, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Is that our response when trial comes into our life? Joy! No, mine's usually, why me? Surrendered living is the only explanation for what James is talking about. Third, joy comes when we focus on the Lord rather than circumstances. You you remember the command piece? The command piece is this. Yes, this is where I am at this moment. Here are my circumstances and here's what I know about God. And here's what I know about who I am in him. That's the command piece. You don't celebrate. You don't have sacrifices of praise. You don't have celebrations in captivity. You don't go plant gardens in exile unless you begin to live on what you know about who God is, no matter what my circumstances say. I've been in some of the plantation fields in South Carolina. And as I'm walking through those fields many times, I wonder how many slaves died in those fields. And you guys know, some of the spirituals that come from the slaves they, they are incredibly, powerfully full of hope and joy. And I go, what in the world were they doing singing in these blistering hot fields? As their masters worked them 15, 16, 17 hours a day. What were they doing? Rejoicing in God. Whatever's going on with me. This is still who God is, and this is who I am in Him. I'm holding on to those things. Joy springs forth. Choosing to believe, celebrate, even when everything looks contrary. (laughs) You don't have to obey. You don't have to obey if what you're doing is just naturally what you're doing, right? If it's normally what you would do anyway, if somebody's telling you to obey, it's just, I was, I'm doing what I was doing. No, no. When it's something contrary to what you want to do, then you need obedience. And you respond in joy as a command when it's opposite. To what is normally happening inside of you. Yep. That's why there is joy as a command. It's contrary. Last and final. Joy comes from seeing partial answers. You know, God doesn't owe me anything. I'm figuring that out after 30 some years of walking with him. He's the God of the universe. He doesn't actually owe me. He didn't owe me salvation. He didn't owe me a new life. He didn't owe me ministry. He didn't owe me any, any of the thousands of blessings in my life. He doesn't owe me anything. And yet, he shows me. He shows me every now and then evidence of his working. He shows me blessing. He shows me pathways, things that I thought was completely, totally not possible to happen. He shows and opens things in front of me that I'm sitting there and going, Wow, who would have thought that would have turned around? Every now and then he gives us glimpses. Here I am. I was sitting in a meeting with the elders. You guys remember last meeting we were at? And I asked the question of God sightings. Where have you seen God recently? And they started telling stories. And as they told stories, you could see the room literally trying to lift up off the ground. They were full of joy at what God was doing. They're sitting next to each other and they didn't know where they had just seen God. And story after story, they were going around and telling each other, "By the way, that's what the church was supposed to do." Not walking here another Sunday morning going, uh, "Here I am. Service. I'm going to worship the Lord. Come on, people." Joy comes from seeing those partial answers sometimes of God shifting big things, small things, us being observant enough to see he is at work in my midst. Everything hasn't moved. The mountain hasn't taken off and and flattened. Yet there's rocks falling off of those things. There's stuff shifting. We need that, right? We need that from each other. We need to see those pieces of partial answers. There were people in Jesus' day who thought that Messiah coming was going to look like this, was going to look like this, was going to look like this, was going to look like this. this. He came and he disappointed all of them. As far as I can tell, Jesus was like a major disappointment. Even to the Roman government, (laughs) they're trying to figure out, wait, wait, you're a king? No, no, not that kind of king. thought we had something to conquer. You're a king? What are you doing in a stable? What are you doing as a carpenter? What are you doing dying? Surrendering yourself? He didn't meet a lot of people's expectations. They thought, Messiah... Like many in our country here, they thought Messiah meant political control, meant prosperity, meant freedom from a lot of things. Superiority, religious superiority. I love it when I'm talking to a Christian and they're talking about religious superiority. I'm like, dude, do you know who your Savior is? Do you? If that's what you're after, you're following the wrong God. Born in a stable. Grew up like us. Suffered and died like us. And they couldn't figure it out. He just didn't meet their expectations. And he was trying to give them... Exceeding joy. Literally the reason Jesus came was to give them exceeding joy himself. You have no way to have God. Your exceeding joy without me dying on the cross is literally what Jesus says. I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? Joy. How about us, church? What are our expectations coming into the Christmas season? What are our expectations of our this moment of our lives? Are you tired of waiting? tired of the quiet ceiling that's not talking back seems like prayers are hitting the walls and falling back on you every part of the world is in change I'm sorry to announce but we're never going back you know this right we're never going back we can only go forward And as we go forward through this journey, what we put our hopes on, our trust in, all of those pieces matter. You and I get to walk with God through this journey. You know this, right? That's what I will never leave you nor forsake you means. It doesn't mean I'm gonna make you happy it means, wherever this journey goes, though, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Correct? That's what the sheep knew about the shepherd. That's what we know about our God. He's not leaving. Why do we have joy? Because he's not leaving. Our joy is with us. He will not leave. So we're going to move into communion. And I think this is a good place to move into communion. Because communion actually talks about the from, through, to journey of joy. You and I, who had no way to God, have a way to God through the cross. This is my body given for you. Eat it. In remembrance of me. What are we remembering? (laughs) You and I are united to our joy. Our exceeding joy is ours. He is ours. Remember, Jesus says. That's for the true journey. Remember. The cup, the cup is the bridegroom's promise. This is the third cup of the Passover. This is the promise of the bridegroom who puts out the cup in front of the bride and says, if you drink of this, you will be mine. And then he makes a promise to his bride. I will go prepare a place for you. And when I have prepared that place, I will come back for you. And Jesus says, drink. This cup is the new covenant given in my blood. Remember me. This is the through. Right here as we remember him together, this is the through. Elders, would you come? Can I finish with a passage of scripture? Please. You didn't ask for a benediction, but can I do a benediction? Please. All right. Here's my benediction. Do you know what brings Jesus joy? Each one that comes to him. But there's actually a verse that says what brings Jesus joy. Jude 24, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. You, you, brothers, sisters, you are the one who brings the Savior great joy to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Presenting you perfect before the Father is his great joy. Joy has a joy, and it's you.